Hello, my fine fruit-growing friends. Hawkeye, your erstwhile host here. Been a little while, three months or so, and I've missed you all terribly. I hope you'll forgive me for being gone for so long. We're going to catch up today and in the next couple of episodes on some of the healthy fruit issues that we missed in the past. Plus, we're going to put some new stuff together for you to think about for the upcoming season. But first, today, I invite you to join me in a time travel backwards all the way to July 20th of 2020. All right, that's enough goofy sound effects. Let's jump right in to the way John was seeing things back then. As John says, he sees it as wet and he's concerned about the consequences on fruit quality, but time will tell. For the past 14 days, it looks like Cape Cod was the place to be. Most of the rest of Massachusetts received 6 to 20 inches of rain over the past two weeks. Weren't we in a drought last year at this time? Not only were we in a drought last year at that time, but earlier in the spring we had been in a drought as well. John says he'd take a dry growing season over a wet one any day. Let's hope the spout turns off and gets cooler in August. We have reached the peak of summer. It is all downhill from here. Otherwise, John reminds you it is almost time to do a foliar leaf analysis and that you can use Retain on peaches. It's time for a little entomology psychology, and the doctor is in. That's Dr. Jaime Pinero, of course. With the weekly report of insect pest captures in monitoring traps at Cold Spring Orchard, Belchdown, Massachusetts, from July 13 to July 19, there were zero oblique banded leaf roller or codling moth, five oriental fruit moth, 0.08 brown marmorated stink bug, remember that's an average across 13 traps, and 13.3 spotted wing drosophila, again, an average of across 20 traps. A few quick notes on spotted wing Drosophila. After a slight decline in captures for the week of July 5th through 11th, spotted wing Drosophila captures are back up. When it comes to treating spotted wing, most people are looking for materials that have short re-entry intervals. Consider rotating materials, of course. Delegate WG, XRL, Lanate SP, Lanate VP, Danitol 2.4 EC and Imidan all have three-day REIs. Delegate WG supplemental label by Fencher 10DF, Brigade WSB 2EE, and Mustang Max all have one-day REIs. When you're starting out on your spotted wing drosophila management journey, choosing longer REI materials is your best bet given that theoretically you are further from harvest. After using these longer day REI materials, begin to rotate in shorter day REI materials as you move closer to harvest. Once you have knocked spotted wing drosophila back a notch with the higher efficacy materials, Jaime tells us it is usually adequate to use an insecticide that has a lower efficacy. For example, Entrust Naturalite 2EE, which has a three day REI, 
Entrust SC2EE. Assail 30SG2EE. And Malathion 5EC2EE. Those last all have a one-day REI. These will, these will increase your rotational options with the hopes of preventing the possibility of spotted wing drosophila developing resistance to any of the materials used. Moving on to codling moth and OBLR and oriental fruit moth. Captures of codling moth and OBLR have been low overall. At this point, we have not seen any evidence of second generations. In the case of oriental fruit moth, trap captures at CSO Orchard have been below threshold. For the last two and a half weeks, since the beginning of the attract and kill study, captures of apple maggot fly have been low. Only one orchard reached the cumulative threshold of five flies per trap where lures are used. This particular orchard sprayed the perimeter of the attract and kill block with insecticide and sugar. That's three to four pounds of sugar per 100 gallons of water. The presence of apple maggot fly lures in the perimeter of attract and kill blocks resulted in greater numbers of apple maggot fly on the perimeter monitoring sticky spheres but no or very few flies are penetrating. This shows thus far good performance of this attract and kill approach, according to Jaime. Only one brown marmorated stink bug has been captured in monitoring clear sticky traps for the last couple of weeks. This indicates the risk of fruit injury is very low. It's time to get down with the sickness. This week's disease section is brought to you by Dr. Dan Cooley. Dan tells us weather has a lot to do with plant diseases and plant pathogens love the kind of weather we've been having. We've said it before and we will likely say it again. The climatic conditions we are experiencing in Massachusetts wow. are shifting to represent those traditionally seen further south of us, which means the disease issues we are seeing are beginning to follow suit. Dan shared a handy map in this edition of Healthy Fruit, which, of course, you can't see here. But let me explain. The map shows how the climate in Massachusetts that we saw in 1990 will change to be more like what the mid-Atlantic and southern climate was like in 1990, as the impacts of climate change continue to be felt. If anything, Dan says, this estimate is conservative in how long it will take because it sure feels like Virginia and North Carolina and Amherst today. And I know we're seeing disease pressure here from summer diseases that Dan had only heard about as mid-Atlantic problems 30 years ago. A lot of that has to do with warmer weather, particularly warm nights, and we get extremes in dry and wet weather like we've seen over the last couple of months. So now we have mid-Atlantic problems like black rot and bitter rot. When it's this wet, it's tough to keep fungicides on fruit between rain wash off and getting through the orchard to put them on. But they are the best defense against fruit rots. John sent in a few photos. Here's what he is seeing out and about. On the leaves, there's scab and frog eye leaf spot. Frog eye is caused by the fungus Botrosphaeria obtusa. You may know this is the same fungus that causes black rot on fruit. Frog eye is an early sign that black rot fungus is active in an orchard. Fruit symptoms are something Dan says he hasn't seen for a number of years, a disease called calyx end rot, also sometimes blossom end rot. 
When he says a number of years, he's not kidding. This was my first season seeing this myself, and I'm not exactly the new kid on the block anymore. There are three different fungi that cause the disease, though the symptoms are very hard to tell apart. We'll focus on the black rot fungus Botrysferia obtusa. Dan thinks that this is what was causing the problem. The fungus starts infecting the sepals from a flower, and if conditions are right, will expand into the calyx end of the fruit. Black fruit rot surrounded by red tissue is a typical symptom. While the infections first get into sepals around petal fall, in most years, that's where they stay. In some cases, the fungi may start to grow again as fruit ripens, producing typical black rot symptoms. However, the fungus can get into the fruit earlier, causing calyx end rot. Dan suspects the abnormal rain and warm weather are why we are seeing calyx end rot in early summer, most likely caused by black rot fungi. Did I just say fungi? I never say fungi. Anyway, it's caused by the black rot fungus. The older fungicide, Topsin, is probably the most effective material against black rot. The FRAC11 fungicides, like Flint Extra Sovereign, or fungicides that contain FRAC11, such as Pristine, Maribon, or Luna Sensation, are also good. Captian is only fair, and Dan says that he mentions it only because it's a commonly used and effective material against other summer diseases, such as sooty blotch and fly speck. One of the best things that could happen to help decrease fruit rot pressure would be to shift to our normal New England summer weather. Keep our fingers crossed, folks. The Horticult estimates that Macintosh and Redhaven peach harvest dates are on track to reflect long-term harvest averages. At least something was normal this year. Earlier on, John mentioned that you can use retain on peaches. Following is a little bit of information on that. Retain is a plant growth regulator from Valent Biosciences and is labeled for harvest management and improvement of fruit quality of peaches and nectarines. The label specifies, depending upon cultivar, orchard conditions, and grower objectives, one or more of the following benefits will be associated with the use of retain. Improved harvest management, additional time for increase in fruit size, maintenance of fruit firmness, reduced pre-harvest fruit drop, improved fruit quality, and enhanced storage potential. Apply one pouch of retain per acre one to two weeks prior to the anticipated beginning of normal harvest period of untreated fruit. Retain efficacy requires that fruit and foliage receive thorough spray coverage. To ensure thorough coverage, adjust water volumes based on the tree size and spacing and use calibrated spray equipment. In other words, your orchard air blast sprayer. Excessive spray application volumes that result in spray runoff will reduce product performance, but in most cases, 100 gallons per acre has been shown to be effective. For optimal response, use Retain with a 100% organosilicone surfactant. Use a final surfactant concentration of 0.05 to 0.1% in the spray tank. To reduce foaming, add the adjuvant last and minimize agitation. The normal harvest period for a particular orchard block refers to that time when fruits not treated with retain would be harvested. 
to help determine the beginning of the normal harvest period, refer to historical trends for harvest dates and the days from full bloom to harvest interval for each cultivar in your area. And closely monitor the fruit maturity development for the current season. One additional note regarding retain, the pre-harvest interval is seven days for stone fruit. Today's guest article is from Dan Donahue and Mike Bastow from the Cornell Cooperative Exchange, Eastern New York. They're telling you, you need to gear up for foliar analysis. A good sampling time for foliar mineral analysis is 80 to 90 days post full bloom late July, early August for the Hudson Valley area, one week later for the Saratoga area, and two weeks later for the Champlain Valley. Editor's note here, John says, most of Massachusetts is somewhere between the Hudson Valley and Saratoga area regarding timing. Foliar analysis provides a more accurate estimation of your orchard's nutritional status than soil analysis. However, at the very least, your orchard soil should be tested every few years for pH and for nutrient status pre-planting and when nutritional deficiencies are identified by either visual observation or a foliar analysis. A sample consists of a minimum of 30 leaves from the middle of the current season's terminal shoots. If sampling is done later in the season, select the first full-sized mature leaf behind the shoot tip. Select one to two leaves per shoot from several shoots on each tree located throughout the area being sampled. A minimum of 50 grams, about two ounces of fresh weight is needed. Select shoots that are well exposed to light and are of average vigor, meaning their length and diameter, from the trees in the planting. Wash the samples with distilled water to remove pesticide and foliar nutrient residues. Foliar analysis shows how effectively the tree is moving essential nutrients from the root zone to the leaf tissue. Unfortunately for Honeycrisp growers with bitter pit issues, calcium status of leaf tissue is not a reliable predictor for bitter pit expression. Honeycrisp, am I right? Choose a lab and review the sampling protocol, paperwork, and submittal instructions carefully. There will be a charge for each sample processed. Be sure to specify the crop and for apples, the variety. That's all we have for this particular episode. The next healthy fruit was published on or around August 3rd. Well, you know the drill. If you need anything, get in touch with one of us. We'll help you out.